Welcome, friends, to another episode of Self-Assembly. Zach Kusan here. Not sure who else you were expecting, but thank you for joining us on another attempt to put together this puzzle of existence. Today's show is going to talk a lot about faith and religion, which is something that I'd personally like to see a lot more open conversations about. Um, For some reason, faith is not really something that we openly talk about a lot with our friends, family, or colleagues. In my experience, it's sort of had this weird taboo feeling to it. Like, the second anyone starts to talk about God or what they think the origins of humanity are, especially if it has to do with any kind of mystical aspect, I've noticed that things can kind of tense up a bit. It's like a there's this palpable change in the energy in the room. Maybe it's because people don't like to think about such massive topics that we'll likely never have a firm answer for. Maybe it's because people are firmly in their beliefs about what there is and isn't out there and they don't like to challenge those beliefs. Or maybe it's just because most people don't care about this shit as much as I do. Whatever the reason, I hope that if you are one of those people that feels a little squirmy when talking about faith, you'll use this episode as a practice in letting go of that a bit. I think the reason I'm so fascinated in people's spiritual practices is because I've seen the power that a deep belief system can bring. Even if it can all be boiled down to a biological benefit of having a community of like-minded people to be with, the strength that people can draw from their faith has real impact on the world. So many people thank God when they're honored for their athletic or artistic endeavors, and I think it would be foolish for us to dismiss the impact of that belief regardless of where its origins are. Now, of course, faith and religion have also been the justification for mass genocide over the course of history, but the way I see it, faith and religions are merely tools for assembling your own personal experience of reality. It can be used to guide towards a path of peace, happiness, and fulfillment, but conversely, it can also be used as a bargaining chip to control masses of people for political gain. Because of that, I am a huge fan of the idea of crafting your own religion. We live in a wonderful time in history where we have access to so many different ideas about the source of humanity, and I think it would be foolish to suggest that any one spiritual path has got it figured out. I think that's also why I have so much fun talking about it, because at the end of the day, it's just a pure expression of ideas that can't really be proved with scientific evidence. There's certainly no definitive study that can show that reincarnation exists, just as there's no actual proof that Jesus rose from the dead. All we have are stories and faith. Does that mean that all religion is just made up? I'm not really sure. To have scientific consensus on something, it has to be measurable and repeatable. But what if the truth of where this whole experience of reality comes from can't be measured or repeated? What if miracles happen, but they exist in a vacuum outside of what we can prove with the current scientific method? I think science and faith tend to be at odds a lot of times, but I genuinely believe that both paths have the same destination and likely intersect a lot more than most people would like to admit. One person might say that prayer and belief led them to a better health outcome. Someone else might say that their belief triggered a placebo effect that actually improved their symptoms. I might say, who the fuck cares? At the end of the day, your belief and your state of mind clearly has a massive impact on the physical world we live in, and I think that we should look at the benefits of a multitude of paths as a means to form our own. 
My guest on today's episode is a cinematographer based in the Washington, D.C. area. His work has taken him all across the world, including Syria, where he produced an award-winning film following the life of a refugee, and I am extremely lucky to call him a friend. Please welcome to Self-Assembly, Ahmed Assad. There are words that we say on a day-to-day basis, like alhamdulillah. That means like thanks, thanks to God. Whether something good happens or something bad happens, you are thankful for the moment in time that you're in. Ahmed, dude, welcome to the show. It's so nice to see you. The hair is looking great, by the way. The audience can't see it, but take my word Thanks. for it. It looks great. You had very yeah, short hair you. last time I saw you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ahmed, we, we've we've known each other for a handful of years now. Um, and in our first conversation that we had like this, one of the things that I was really struck by um, was you identified yourself as a filmmaker, and now you identify as a cinematographer. One of the things I was really struck by with that was just how kind of firmly in the belief you were of calling yourself kind of what you intend to be. Um, and I, I, w- I was struck by that because I'm a guy that really, really kind of struggles with that, like kind of putting the words to what I am. Like I am constantly changing my Twitter bio, my website, you know, headliner has changed, you know, several times over the years, but you yeah. were always kind of like, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's switched, it seems like, but you still very firmly, you know, in the belief of like, call yourself what you're going to be. Um, and I'm wondering if you can talk just a little bit more about that. Like, how does that help keep you focused? And what kind of an impact does that have on the growth of your career and just you yourself as a person? Yeah, totally. Um, so probably everything, I think we talked like maybe two years ago, right? It was Something like, like that. Roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably everything that I said in that podcast segment is wrong <laughs> or, or different. Okay. Like, I mean, everything, like every six months, I'm like different mindset, different level of maturity, different way to think about things. And like the switch from, cause everyone wants to be a director, right? In the beginning, it's like, it's cool. Like, it's really like one of the only positions in a film set that you, that everyone knows about, like, everyone can tell you that there's a director. Like there's not many people that can tell you that director of photography exists or, or, or cinematographer and what a cinematographer does or what a gaffer does or what a grip does or art direction. The best but, like, boy director is, is my like, favorite. <laughs> yeah. The best boy, that's my favorite title I always see. Best boy, yeah. Who's the best boy? You're the best boy. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I mean, so probably two years ago, I don't, I, I, I probably called myself a filmmaker or a director or like some, someone that's like multidisciplinary, like in, in the industry of film. But um, I directed a, sh- a short film. Uh, I think it was like still, it was, it was roughly two years ago. It was about black fatherhood. And um, that was the last thing that I directed. And, and through that film, I essentially shot that film like a to um, cause it was like an important story to tell. Uh, but like I wrote it and I directed it and I was, I did the cinematography for it. Um, but essentially I created that project for myself because I didn't have any work, like no one would hire me. So I created it and I was like, I want to shoot something. Um, and that's like a topic that I was very passionate about. Um, 
and then after that i was I, I realized that like the thing that i liked most about that project was the cinematography and i didn't like i wasn't able to do it to the best of my ability because i was so focused on other things and uh at that point i was like okay i need to uh trust in other people like that's one of the biggest things that i've learned is like i need to trust in other people so like if i'm working with a director i need to trust the director has a good vision can can see that vision clearly and work with them to create an amazing product like there's like good and then there's great like i feel like you can get good if you're your hands are kind of like in everything and, and and because like you yourself you've done it for so long that you can get good work you know like shooting doc like you shoot a lot of doc stuff right oh yeah yeah so like you can walk into a room shoot an interview and it looks phenomenal and you can shoot phenomenal b-roll but it's only when that's like specifically what you're doing and what you're focusing on because it's so like the more i learn about cinematography the more i'm like wow, I know like nothing, <laughs> like absolutely nothing. Like it just like, it keeps like it, it, it definitely builds grit. It's so funny to hear you say that though, because your work is beautiful. I, I just watched the, the music video, um, that you were DP for and, and the, the whole thing was, was gorgeous, man. It, it's funny to hear you say that you, you're, there's still so much for you to learn. I mean, you're, I know, I recognize that you're being humble, but, but I, I Dude, <laughs> not even man. I wish I was. <laughs> I have like, like the thing is like, I, I feel it. Well, every time I ever talk about cinematography, I'm like, okay, now I really feel like I'm understanding how light works. And like, I've said this for the past, like year and a half. I'm like, oh, I, now I understand. I'm sure like in six months, I'll be like, oh, now I finally understand how light works. Cause it's, it's like, dude, it's ever changing. And there's, there, there are things that you, you learn that will fundamentally change the way that you approach a scene, mm. you know, and, and, and those things they they keep piling up and all of the, the, uh, I guess what you would call like the basic, like the foundational things about cinematography, when you do it enough, it goes to the back of your mind and you're able to focus on story and, and, uh, how the overall piece feels instead of just trying to make one shot look good. I felt like that music video, we shot it last weekend. That was, uh, I feel like the first time that I really had a grasp of the piece as a whole. It was my first music video, um, but if like, it's the workflow is, is very similar to doc. It's cool because it's like, it's like a mixture of doc stuff, but also narrative. Cause you're like, you're setting up the lights and all that stuff, but you really, you light the space. You're not really lighting for shots. You light the space to keep it consistent. And then it's really just how human can you make it feel? I forgot what the question was, but. Well, uh... so, so the, the, the question was it, it, it like sort of, you made it a conscious decision to go from, okay, I'm a filmmaker to, oh no, I'm a, I'm a cinematographer. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. and I guess the, the question is, is how, why do you think putting a word to it and sort of like, how does that help keep you focused? How, how does that, you know, um, sort of craft the trajectory of your career. Mm. And, and it, you know, that, maybe that seems like a, an obvious question, but I, I think there's, there's a certain power, I think, that comes with crafting a, a destination. 
you know, and I think a lot of times, and, and I struggle with this a lot too, is there's this sort of, if you think of your life trajectory as you're on a boat, you know, sailing across this, this river of life or whatever, you need a destination in mind. You need to have goals. You need to have a vision for where you're sailing this damn thing. Otherwise you might find, you know, oh, there's a cool, you know, island over here. Let me go sail and check where that's at. And like, oh, actually there's a, there's a, another boat or whatever, like down this bit and we're going to go backwards. And then we're going to, and very quickly without focus, you can find yourself kind of going in circles in your boat, you know? And so I'm the, I guess the question was, is how does, how does, um, having a, a specific word for that, like help keep you focused and help keep you along like the path that you want to be? Yeah, totally. Um, so, so calling myself the cinematographer, it took me a long time to, to say that, uh, because it really, it locks you in, right? Like it's, it's a very, uh, long-term thing. And it's like, it's like getting married. It's like, do you want to marry this like career for the rest of your life? Pretty much. Um, we're going to date but, for a little bit first, but then we'll, we'll yeah, see. right. You it try it out. <laughs> you, yeah, you look around, <laughs> um, but but doing that, like that's, I mean, so the, the way that I th think about that is the same way that I think about like, for example, like a reel. It's like you, you put the work on the reel, not the work that you necessarily have done. You put the work that's like the work that you want to be doing. So if I want to get more cinematography work, like solely cinematography, I need to call myself a cinematographer because no one's going to hire like a one person band you know, to DP their film or something. And uh, it was, it became very clear to me that cinematography is what I wanted to do. Um, and I, I'm constantly listening to uh, podcasts and interviews by uh, more experienced cinematographers and just the way that they come up and the way that they, their philosophy behind cinematography. And it, it just, it really all points towards that extremely long-term <laughs> goal and direction like I'm totally fine with not creating the best work in the next 20 years you know like totally fine because I just I, I love doing it and it's it's chill it's cool you learn some things and when you're color grading your own stuff you 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 learn a lot because you're like wow that looks terrible <laughs> and like maybe I can like do this next time you know it's like it's all about that it's like oh wow like okay that's what I need to do um yeah the 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 boat maybe hits a hits a little rock on yeah. the way down the river but you you stop for a sec you slow down yeah you make the repairs and then the boat's that much stronger as you're i'm really like honing in on this this friggin boat analogy dude i <laughs> love it man it's a good one <laughs> um so so one of the other things that you i think i asked you i don't I don't quite remember what the the third thing was, but you 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 very specifically when I asked you what are the the things you identify as, you had three very specific answers, and you you weren't hesitant in in them. And um, the other one was that you identify as Muslim, and I was wondering if we could maybe take a sec or however long it takes to talk about just how your your faith and your spirituality, what kind of a role does that play? in your career, in, in your day-to-day -day life, and how you just kind of overall interface with reality. Yeah, totally. Um, 
so yeah i'm i'm muslim um i grew up in a very like muslim household and there are a lot of things that like that come with that um inherently and i think like one of the main ones is patience so like patience is a huge thing in islam is like, we call it sabr and that's like uh, just translated from from arabic um so so that's like a really big thing uh patience listening uh being grateful like constantly grateful for things constantly like there are words that we say on a day-to-day basis um like alhamdulillah that means like thanks thanks to god essentially mm. whether something good happens or something bad happens you are thankful for uh the moment in time that you're in mm. because you if it's something bad you're, you're gonna learn something from that um so that's like really really strengthened uh i guess my uh all of the lower parts of the career which are much more frequent than the higher parts <laughs> like in terms of just like good moments versus like instagram is the good moments right that's why i rarely post <laughs> there are very few good moments <laughs> <laughs> like i'm be honest like like people will dm me and be like oh my god your job is so cool and i'm like like what you see like maybe cool but the rest of it is like extremely isolating and it it takes forever to see any progress um and so i guess just like growing up as a muslim has has really really strengthened that ability to to keep going and to and to be patient with it but also just uh being able to like sit down and 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 think about like god and and the world and and where you are in the world like i know we were talking about mysticism um, and I didn't know what that was until you until you mentioned it. But we basically do it. It's it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like uh, sitting down and intentionally connecting to God in a way, right? So it's it's funny you bring that up because I even before this show, like I am interested in mysticism. You know, in all the different sort of parts of the world that mysticism ideas come from but i had never actually sat down and like asked myself the question like what is mysticism yeah um and so i i googled it as you do um and i came up with well the first thing that came up was um belief that union with or absorption into the deity or the absolute or the spiritual apprehension of knowledge inaccessible to the intellect may be attained through contemplation and self-surrender. And that kind of was like, oh, oh, all right. What I get a sentence. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> it's it's like really like even just reading it, I was kind of like, oh, damn, that's like, yeah, that's pretty deep that's shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh, man, where are we going? We identified mysticism. Yeah. So, yeah. So how? um what aspects of that, I guess, do you mm-hmm. feel like, like, what role does mysticism play in your faith? And how, how does that like, like, do you carry that with you in kind of everything that you do? Or, or do you try to? Uh, if I, if I understand the sentence correctly, yeah, I think it's like, it's in the day to day, it's, it's very ingrained in the day to day. So like, in Islam, we pray five times a day. And, and that's, it's, there's one at like 6am, there's one around noon, there's one around afternoon, sunset and night. So there's five daily prayers. Um, 
and they're essentially like create you, you when you when you do pray it's it's a very like it's kind of like a one-on-one connection with god um and you you really i mean you're not supposed to think about anything else i mean i'm like we're all human right like <laughs> like i'll be praying sometimes and i'll be like oh like damn i left the ketchup out or something and i'm just like ah! <laughs> and you snap back into it <laughs> but uh but like there there are like there are many moments where it's just thinking about like nothing else except for uh your place in the world and 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 what you're doing in the world and are you are you making the right decisions but also like there are a lot of uh we call them dua it's it's spelled d-u-a and it's essentially like like you're asking god for things every i think every faith has like some sort of semblance of that um and and we do that during prayer while we're while our our forehead is like on the ground mm. um and because that's like when you're closest and so there's uh a very common one uh, ask is that you you pray that God does whatever is best for you, and 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 that God gives you strength. Like mm-hmm. so, you're not essentially asking for, hey God, like please let me get the PS5. Like we've all done it. Like I've asked for every Xbox forever. Like growing up, I'm like please please let me get the Xbox, the 360, and like. Hopefully, it doesn't have the red ring of death. Well, and like all but that does stuff. that work sometimes, though? Because I imagine Dude, that works, eventually man. you get like, an Xbox, I had the right? Xboxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I had the Xboxes. It totally worked. God came through. Um, but now, praise, like, praise. <laughs> yeah. Now, like, different level of maturity. And it's just like just putting your faith entirely in, in God mm. and, and just being like, just give me strength uh, through whatever trials and tribulations come. And it's like, it's, it's worked out. I mean, things get, things get pretty tough. Um, and that's like with everyone, like 99% of the time, you don't know what someone else is actually going through. Um, but just having that in the back of my mind and, and having those daily prayers, they like constant reinforcement, but dude, I want to hear your thoughts on this. And, and, and Oh man. I, so my, my thing is so, okay, can I, I will answer your question, but let me, um, can I ask one follow-up just, and then I'll, I'll kind of, I, I want to go into like a, I'll tell you a story that sort of like my upbringing in, in faith. Um, so did you have to, when you were growing up in, in the, in Islam, did you, did you resonate with it right away? Or was it something that when you were a kid, was it just kind of like, a thing that your parents made you do or like, did you always feel this kind of connection and the, the deep benefit that can come with the spiritual practice? Yeah. So I mean, when I was younger, I I, like, I definitely didn't like think about it, like actually think about it. I kind of just, it just came, you're growing up with your family and we were very, very connected to the mosque. And so we would go to the mosque quite frequently and all of my closest friends were from there. So I guess like inherently it's, I've just always kind of been surrounded by it. I like, I, I didn't have many friends outside of that space. Okay. And so that just made it. So it was your community. You're, you're like, everything you knew was, was based Mm -hmm. around that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's what, that's what really, I guess cemented things, but it was only like in the past, uh, two to three years that I that I really started to think 
about like like where my place was in Islam and like how to practice my Islam because everyone does it pretty differently and and I, that's in like every faith you know everyone does it pretty differently and I don't think there's like a right way or a wrong way because like times are so different now compared to when all these books were written mm -hmm. and when all these like faiths were uh, revealed or created so yeah no I love that and and I think that um that's kind of a lot of the more I read and the more the more kind of podcasts I listen to about this kind of stuff, the more I do seem to kind of land on like there are all these different paths you can take, but our our destination is largely the same. We're all trying to just figure out where is our place in the universe um, and, and what is our relationship with this seemingly non-localized intelligence or you know this this order to to the world this kind of we're in a simulation yeah or what, is it a simulation that could be god like who who the fuck knows but like all these i think all these different ideas th there's there's value to to be brought from them and it, it to me it's just a matter of you know explore a lot of them i, I and i think so to, to answer your question i grew up um in the catholic church so i was um a, I grew up in New Hampshire. I was very much, um, you know, there's a lot of Catholics in, in New England and in that part of the country. Um, my, my challenge with it was, I don't know that Catholicism, at least in the way that I practiced it, was ever really anything beyond just something that my parents or my dad made me do. Um, and I think one thing he had working against him was the fact that we would go to the the four o'clock mass on a Saturday, which if you're, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, and it's a Saturday at four o'clock in the afternoon, and you have to, you know, stop playing football with your friends or stop playing video yeah. games <laughs> at four o'clock on a Saturday, and then, and then go to church, you know, that's kind of a, it, it was hard for me to ever really like look look forward to it or even really like you know I, I would sit in the pew and I would just be like oh, okay yeah Hosanna in the highest okay yep and then this song okay we hit this song okay great we only got like 15 minutes all right and then you yeah. get communion you're like all right sweet we got communion like all right we're, we're and uh sometimes my dad would even we would even bail after communion like we would get <laughs> we would get the body of Christ and then it's like all right I mean we got the body of Christ, you know, he, he's, we're chill. It's fine. He gets yeah. it. You know, our intentions are correct. Yeah, yeah like exactly. <laughs> and I was like, I never really kind of like got that. Um, and it was to the point and, and I, I, I feel bad going back on this, like thinking about it, but like, I do kind of, because of my relationship with it, I, I started to dismiss like religion in general, all I sort of, it it closed me off to a lot of spiritual exploration because to me i just viewed it as i i had a very cynical approach to it for like a really long time and it, and it took me really um took me until like my early 20s to start kind of actually exploring it a little bit more and and thinking like oh shit like maybe there actually there is something to faith there is something to this belief in something beyond the kind of traditional reality that we experience with our five senses. Um, I sort of viewed it as just, oh, this is just 
a means of mass control and all, you know, and I like, I like looked down on people that were spiritual and, and had that belief. And, and it was, um, I'm glad I, I broke free of that. Um, but a lot of, a lot of my own spiritual development honestly came from, um, this, he's a comedian named Duncan Trussell and he, he sort of got popular from being on Joe Rogan's show um, but he has a show that he calls the Duncan Trussell family hour. And he is very embedded in kind of the Western Buddhist, um, circles. And so he started having all these, um, I started listening to just a lot of, you know, people like Sharon Salzberg, uh, Jack Kornfield, Ram Das, Krishna Das, like all these people that talked about this sort of, um, collective, just, experience of of humanity and it started to get me think like oh man like maybe you know maybe there is like more more to this um and so that's yeah that's kind of like how and then I started you know I read like the Bhagavad Gita I I need to make I need to read more kind of religious texts because I, I started to realize the more the more faiths that I learned about the more I realized like we are all talking about the same Thing. It's all the same. It's all yeah. the same shit. Like hearing, yeah. hearing just what you said. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's in in this aspect of of, of Buddhism. Like it's it, yeah. it's all the, um, and so, uh, like, I have a, there's there's a question here somewhere. Hang on, let me uh, let me consult consult my notes because um, okay, so so you mentioned that you um, I guess like how strictly do you follow? your faith like because you mentioned you kind of like everyone has their own way of practicing yeah. it and i think there's so yeah like are you are you like real by the books like do you like you know hit every kind of thing that you're supposed to or like just definitely tell me not okay definitely not <laughs> yeah so, so tell me about that um so so we're all human right and so like everyone has like like everyone messes up sometimes right and, and, and sometimes it's like, like, for example, the five prayers, like I try to hit all five, if not, like, sometimes I don't wake up for the one at 6am and like, you can, you can make them up later. Like you can just like redo them while you're doing other ones. Um, and so I try to do that. Sometimes I miss them entirely. Sometimes like I'm on set and I'm still trying to find that, like mm. that balance of like, doing work but also fulfilling uh like what i believe in 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 faith but um yeah i mean so the way that we see it is like god is like the most merciful and and when i say god like every all of the 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 major religions they refer like what you were saying they were like refer to god it's all the same god that everyone's referring to and like God is the most merciful. And if you screw up somewhere and as long as your intentions are correct, as long as you're like trying, then I think that that's like a, like it's, it's a, it's a very good way uh, to view God instead of like in a fearful way. Like I, I know, I mean, that works for some people where it's like, I fear that I'm going to do this because I'm going to go to hell or something. Mm. Um, but the way that I see God is like, God created all of these like very beautiful things right? Like, why, like, why should we fear, you know, like, we should only just do our best and be like as intentional as possible. And 
It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is, man. It is well, what it is. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, and that's what's funny is, be, so the thing is, is we, you know, no matter who is right, like, I don't, I don't necessarily know that there's a, a specific religion that's quote unquote, got it right. You know, there's, I think there's a, there's a South Park episode where like everyone, everyone goes to heaven or something. And then they're like, oh no, sorry, you guys got to go to hell. Like the Mormons actually, they, they got it right. So like, sorry, everyone else, like you get to, you don't get to go to the, the good place. You're going, yeah, you're you going didn't downstairs. pick the right team. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You didn't. And so, I mean, so that's a problem too, is like we, because there are so many paths and i think this is like a this is a fucking paradigm that we really need to escape as as humans in this world is we we get very tribal with this shit right we get very um we we want to feel like our path is the righteous one and we make it a point to not not we us but like you know there are a lot of people that do make it a point in the world to try to convert people and to try to mm-hmm. explain um you know, I've I've covered stories uh, about abortion rights in the Deep South, and I've I've just you know I, I'm interested in hearing what what people have to say, and it's you can tell that they they feel a sort of they want to bring me over, like they they you know we we can have um, very cordial and friendly conversations, but there is this sort of and you know I I try to just play around with that a little bit, and I'm like, well, yeah, but not you know what if I feel this way about about this situation you know this is my faith this is what i i believe Mm -hmm. in and they 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 hear it and they accept it but you but you can tell in in the way they're about to they're they're only thinking about what am i going to say next what is going to be the thing that and i'm i'm typecasting a whole bunch of people i'm like this is purely based on the conversations uh the conversations i've had very similar experiences i know yeah yeah well i mean what have you experienced I mean, so I mean, even on both ends, like, like, uh, people, I mean, like, I, I guess people like everyone thinks they're right. Right. So like even, uh, sorry, I know I, you don't want to get political here, but both I mean, sides, think I mean, right. as long as I'm not saying it, it's good. <laughs> Chill. Just text me what you want to say and I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so like everyone thinks they're right. And like, everyone's like, everyone has like the intention of that. Like there's, I don't think there's anyone that like knows that their religion is wrong and wants to like put that on other people. Like the reason that they care is like the only reason they're doing that. And I've like, there are so many, like even like Muslims, like there's always like they're trying to convert other people. And like the reality is like, like if, if one religion is correct or not, like if Islam is like not, at the end of the day, the right team or whatever. Uh, like I'm totally like, it's, it's just like, for me, it is good is a good life, you know, like a good way to see the world. It's you're constantly just, you want to do good, uh, to people. And I feel like that's like at the root of a lot of religions. So it's like, you just let the person be and like, they'll find their path. Um, cause I think everyone, everyone wants to be, good or what they perceive as good or correct so but what about people so there are good people that don't identify with with any faith right and in fact there are good people that 
are are sort of against the idea of any kind mm. of of organized religion. So what do you I mean what do you think about about that aspect of it? Like is that also a path that you know is is perfectly valid to walk? Yeah, I mean I think the I think the same thing like so but regardless if you're practicing religion or not, like you're you're practicing like a way of life. And so I think everyone's everyone's way of life, like like being Muslim works for me because that's what I identify as, that that is like the type of life that I want to live. But if you're atheist and that works for you and that works for the type of life that you want to live, like there's like I don't think anyone should should tell another person like you should be this, you're doing this wrong. I mean, it's like the same thing with like, uh, LGBTQ. It's like, you can't, you can't put your ideas on someone else. Like you just let the person live their life. Like it's not like them practicing one thing or doing one thing or doing whatever is not going to harm you. Like at the end of the day. So like, why are you stressing about (laughs) what someone else is doing? You know, I mean, it's like, it's very like, it's it's very simple, but I know it's like in the real world, it's it's quite different, like in practice. So, I mean, yeah, like you've seen a lot. Like you're 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 a, you're a doc shooter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, so like you primarily just shoot, right? Yeah, largely shoot uh, shooting at it. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're you're on a lot of different projects. Totally. Like you're much much. I guess you're you switch topics like faster than the producers, right? Because the producers are using like pre-pro, and then you shoot, and then so you probably I got I, mean, I got yeah, yeah. I've got my hands in like a lot of different yeah aspects of this. Like we were, um, I was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina last weekend, um, doing a story about gun sales during election mm-hmm. years, uh, and then editing a story recently about uh QAnon involvement in some uh you know uh some rallies that were taking place this weekend and yeah so like i and it and it can be very kind of overwhelming just to like you know every, so much in yeah it's like taking so much in and then figuring out just you know because we we get caught in our own we get caught in our own bubbles obviously and it's like we we craft our bubbles based on our social media feeds and that becomes the the way we think that reality is but then you know you read things where it's like i think it's something like 15 percent of twitter users are responsible for like 85 percent of the content and so if twitter yeah it's insane so like twitter if twitter is the only format that you're shaping your worldview on it can be sort of reality shattering to go to a gun store in North Carolina where if you follow these liberal majority liberal um, folks on Twitter, your perception of gun of people that go to a gun store might be that they're all racist rednecks or whatever just to th- I mean that's a that's the big stereotype I think that comes up. But dude, I gotta tell you I went there and they were some of the nicest folks I've ever. And and again, I'm not. I am not in any way saying that like gun control doesn't need serious overhaul, and that we that we don't need to be having really kind of complicated and intricate conversations about what do we think of the weapons that exist in this country. But the idea that you know everyone in this country is so polarized and ready to just like rip each other's heads off, 
that was an experience for me where I was like, wait a minute. Okay, I need to really kind of like take a step back and 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 look at what's happening here. You know, it, it was um it was just it it was wild. And, you know, I mean maybe it might I might look into buying a, a gun here at some point. Not in DC. <laughs> they might have seeped in. No. <laughs> Dude, you got to start a new podcast. I know, right? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> hippies, hippies and guns. That'll, that'll be the title. Right. <laughs> um, how, has, how has Islam shaped your perception of reality? Oh, my God, dude. What a question. Yep. How has it shaped? Uh, it's hard for, for me to, like, really identify that. And, and say it in words because I think it's like a very like it's a very innate thing like the way that like I approach something will be very different from the way that someone else will approach something I think well in terms of like let's say like in terms of like cinematography because that's been like my reality for sure. the past like year and a half yeah <laughs> pretty much um I'm uh, constantly thinking about how to uh, like be a good person on set, constantly thinking about how to uh, help people grow in the community, constantly thinking about how to constantly be patient. You know, like when, when you're shooting, like, you know, like things it's dude, it's a shit show. Like mm -hmm. everything's falling apart. Murphy's law, like everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And like, like Islam, I, I, I think has really, really shaped the way that I approach those situations. Like sometimes obviously you kind of freak out and everything just kind of just falls apart, but not so much recently happy that that's the case. Um, like coming in with a plan and just being patient when things don't go right and coming up with a solution without being a complete dick to everyone on set is a huge thing because early on like i've i've been on like some shoots where that hasn't been the case mm. and it's like obviously it's a great learning experience to see those things and to like understand those things but like i'm very fortunate to have grown up with like i don't i mean my parents like instilled like very uh i think good moral values in in me and, and my siblings um so i think a lot of that comes from islam do you, how do you feel about the idea that creative brilliance is being channeled from a, uh, like, like it's almost like a download coming from something beyond, you know, like beyond what we can feel, you know, I've, I've, I've heard about this theory a lot and, and a lot of people call it the download, but it's this idea that a lot of the creative geniuses in the world or, you know, whether it be, um, you know, e even like Steve Jobs or whatever, creating the iPhone or something, or, you know, it's like this, this great piece of art or whatever. There are a lot of folks that talk about, and this is kind of um, a theory that's explored um, just in, in science as well as like the idea that the brain is, is really just kind of an antenna and there are signals that we are receiving. And that's really what like the creative process is, is you need to achieve this state of being an open antenna and receiving the signals and sort of like, 
you know, being able to interpret them is, is the real mark of a genius. Do you ever feel like you, have you achieved that at any point in your career? Is that something you strive to, or do you think that's just a load of bullshit? <laughs> uh, I don't entirely understand. Do you mean just like absorbing, like absorbing so, all the information? So I've, I've heard, um, there are like some instances people will talk about literally n- not knowing where their ideas are coming from. Like maybe you've, maybe you've been on set, right. And you can't really, and, and I've experienced this too. In I think I experienced it a lot in edits mostly, but it's like, I can't tell you really why this edit is a good edit necessarily, but I know that it I know that it works. I feel that it works. It it was just kind of like an idea that kind of popped into my head. It wasn't this art this arduous process of like, okay, I'm following the rule of thirds with my framing. I'm wor- like I'm working on depth here. You know, there are all these like rules to filmmaking and and editing, but a lot of times I've noticed like in my edits and in the shots that I get, I'm not really like thinking about a lot of that and sometimes i wonder like huh not so- jesus christ i hope i didn't just imply that i am like a like creative genius in any way shape or form Dude, but what you are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i but i have i have kind of i have kind of uh like wondered that and i and i'm just wondering you know and and certainly getting to that level of of genius quote unquote involves a a combination of both probably it's like creative instincts but also knowing the knowing the rules right knowing like having you need a, a solid framework first but i'm wondering if you've ever had a moment when you're on set when you've when you felt like that like you're 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 channeling kind of something beyond like what you thought w- w- was capable like from a, a physical plane yeah <laughs> i f- i mean so like i feel it like literally i'm well first of all i'm not a creative genius I'm like, I'm literally just trying to do the thing, but I feel that all the time. Cause I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I'm just like, it's, I was talking to my friend about this the other day because, um, someone asked him, he's, he's a, he's a really, really accomplished photographer. And someone asked him like, how did you get those shots? Like, how did you know mm. to get those shots of this like photo set, um, on Instagram and we we're just talking about it and it's i mean it's basically it's like intuition informed by experience right so like based on your experience you've learned so much and it's all like it's like muscle memory and just like just memory in general like you don't think about exposure anymore right like you don't think about like your shutter speed and iso and aperture like it's just it just comes i feel like it's kind of in the same vein but once you learn those and it's this is something that I think about a lot is like learning the technical aspect, like being a technician first and then being an artist because mm. you can really like allow yourself because at the higher end, all of the cinematographers, they all know all of the things. They all know all of the lighting setups. They know how to work all of the equipment. The only thing that really differentiates people is like their background and their experience and how they identify. Um, so I'm like, I'm, I, it's, it's so technical and, and, you know, it's like, dude, it's like cinematography is a framework. Like there is how to get a good shot. There is a way 
and you can walk into a room and there is a right, like a right place to place the camera and a right place to place the person. And it's, it's very like 90% of it is like, okay, let's do that. But then let's get, let's get weird with it. Mm. Once we've got like the base down, how can we make this better? How can we make this? And I think that's where like a lot of the, oh, like I've like, it's, it's usually pulling from like frames from other things or things that I've seen of like, oh, like I love that there. Like, have you seen the recent Dune trailer? Yes. Yeah. It looks fantastic. Yeah, it does. It's like, it's phenomenal. And so there's, there's a frame, you know, that, uh, that scene where his hand is in like the box and he's like screaming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like bluish in the background. Mm. So there's, there's a wide shot that introduces that scene and it's like, it's basically his back is pointed to camera and he's kind of in silhouette, but then there's like, he's in silhouette and then there's light on the ground in front of him. And then the background is also dark. And I was like, what a brilliant way to create like contrast in a wide shot. But then you can also like use that to do so many other different setups because you just have like a massive overhead light. So like I literally, the music video was, the entire lighting design was based off of that one shot. I was like, okay, this is brilliant. Like, let me just try to reverse engineer this. Obviously you can't get close because that's Greg Frazier and I'm not Greg Frazier. (laughs) I'm just Ahmed. (laughs) um <laughs> but we tried like so so like i don't know how to rig a 12 by 12 overhead in like a random building right so like i like we hired a gaffer and like a key grip and and i was like okay this is what we need how do you think we can do this what lights do you think we need to use and and they built it and they like had a pulley system and they brought the whole thing up it was massive and it was like is one of those things where it's like I like if I were if I was doing that alone, even with any genius, creative, any abilities, like I can't I can't do that. Like you really need to collaborate, and I think that's like with collaboration, especially on set, that's when you can like flex those like intuitive muscles, you know, where it's like I'm talking to the gaffer, we're looking at the monitor, and I'm like, how can we make this better? Like, is there any like we have five minutes? How do we make this better? and just going back and forth and usually whatever they do is is better than what it is so usually the gappers are more experienced yeah well no and and i love that too because it it's sort of it speaks to the i think the kind of collective nature of of humanity right like you talked about how you know i may not be this award-winning dp yet but i can build on the work of of those that came before me i i'm always i'm always sort of fascinated by the idea that like or the question i guess of are there really any unique ideas anymore right because almost every idea we have we're building a foundation off of everyone that came before us and that's kind of and that's something that i'm really fascinated about and that's why i think I mean, I personally believe that like we need a spiritual revolution in humanity. I think that we need to like not be afraid to talk about things like God and and religion and what people like all this kind of weird sticky shit that science can't really like prove or disprove because I think it it does sort of tap into this collective understanding of like what is actually going on here. I like I started saying, um, I started saying grace before I eat 
like there's kind of just a recent habit that I've picked up over the the year. And, you know, I don't, I kind of made up my own practice. It's not really like, I don't have like a prayer necessarily. A lot of times I just kind of bring my, you know, I put my hands in prayer, bring my thumbs to my third eye. And I just kind of think of the ohm, like just this kind of like serene, like sound, right? This kind of all encompassing feeling mm-hmm. that I think represents like I think represents creation. Like I think that represents like the source or whatever. Like that is maybe the place where if the brain is an antenna, maybe the ohm is the source of these ideas or whatever. But then a lot of times I'm also just kind of reflecting on and it's a lot of what we talked about earlier, just I'm thinking about the meal in front of me. You know, even if it's just like eggs toast and fruit or whatever i really think about okay to get these eggs in front of me there needed to be a chicken and damn i hope that chicken like lived a pretty nice life like i try to buy eggs from like local farms or whatever with the i mean i hope that i'm not just being sold a bunch of horse shit and that the chickens are actually treated properly but like just all of the steps that needed to happen to get this delicious breakfast on my plate you know the the people that had to grow the fruit the people that had to drive the fruit here the people that had to make the bread that i toasted the people that had to make design the toaster that i i toasted my bread in the you know mm-hmm. they're like i think we kind of lose sight of just how much we rely on each other in in a lot of the just the nature of how we live in the world nowadays. I think we we are kind of, I mean, especially Jesus now because of the, the pandemic, like that's increased tenfold. We, we're, we're sort of only able to interact with, with human beings in these kind of digital settings, you know, and, you know, there've been some interesting kind of, uh, I think revolutions that have happened as a result of that. I think people have had access certainly to more because, you know, maybe there are lectures that you couldn't attend um, because you couldn't afford them, but now people are just broadcasting them on Zoom. And so you do have a little bit more access there. But I think largely it's forced a lot of us to kind of separate. And and I feel so bad for the people that, you know, that are kind of by themselves because it, it sort of reinstates this notion that, you know, it's every man, it's every man for himself out there and, you know, survival of the fittest and, you know, but but I think that there being a human being, th- there's so much there's so much more to that. I mean, e- even just the the feeling you get when you have a good conversation with someone, you know, it's like there's there's a deeper kind of connection there. I, I, I really feel like there's there's something beyond like what we can really sense. It, it is it is an energy to me. And like, yeah, is that I mean. Tell me about that. Like, is that something you feel like with something that you like, talk to me about like working with a great crew on, on set, right? Like, is, do you, when you're in the flow and like, do you really feel that? Like, do you think about that kind of shit? Yeah, I do. And, and, and like, I feel like sometimes you really have to, uh, like, I feel, I mean, compromise is a huge thing. It's like when, when you work with people, I think in any sense, even, even what you're talking about, like, having a conversation with someone it's like compromising on okay uh when are their ideas heard and when are your ideas heard Mm. and and how can you how can you sort of i mean because 
at the end of the day, you're, and if you're for a crew, you're, you're hiring people and you're, you hire them because they are the right person for that job, like for that story, like on every level, even down to like, you're hiring like a PA or a second AC because they understand the story or they understand, like they're not ignorant to, you know, whatever is like happening. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, uh, it's like, it's all about compromise and, and trusting the people that you hire because you hire them for a reason. But then having that, like that flow is, it's so cool, dude. What like, does it it's, feel like? it's like, it's my favorite. It's like my favorite thing about being on set. It's like you, you get the, like, yeah, you plan. Like I, I over plan everything. I build everything in 3d and I light it in 3d. Cause I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I need to make sure that before this is all rigged, it works. So like once that happens and then you're just like, all right, you get the camera team and you get the lighting team and you're like, what do y'all think? How can we make it better? And, and there are different people thinking about different things and like the gaffers thinking about lighting and, and uh, the camera team is like, okay, how can we make things more efficient when we're, when we're swapping setups or how can we make the dolly move uh, better or smoother or which direction should we go and all of that stuff. So it's really cool. And, and like that level of like spontaneity, I feel like the balance between uh, preparedness and spontaneity is like very important in, in creating that flow. Cause if you just walk into it and you're like, what do you, what do y'all think we should do? It's not like, it's not going to work. Mm. Like you really got to be like, okay, this is cause I feel like creativity is, is best in, in a box like i feel like it just works best when you create like restrictions for yourself interesting um and so you can all work under those because there are like infinite possibilities right like and and i do think that a lot of stuff that we create has been created and and we're building on it and and but it's like it's all informed I, like everyone's different so so even if i do the same exact lighting setup i i didn't go as dark as they did in the dune trailer although i would have loved to um i don't like i haven't found anyone that would like let me go that dark also like i don't know how to go that dark yet <laughs> but when i do and when someone's like oh that's cool I'm, i'll just be like all right lit like let's work together all the time <laughs> um but like even even though we did take like massive like lighting design concept from that the piece obviously is very different and it's because of the crew that was there like there's I, I like I can't express enough on how much like how important having like a crew that you trust and 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 that like the trust goes both ways is because uh, like a set that is like sour or or really anything that is sour like you're not going to create like a plus work and you need like you need to create that a level work to get more a level work yeah and I, well, yeah. and I think that you, you, you know, you can tell when a, a collective vision has really been achieved and you do, you do still need, you need the person giving you the destination, right. To go back to the, the boat analogy or whatever you need, the, you need the Love captain, you need, the, you need the guy that just like, this is where we're sailing y'all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need, you need the guy that's telling you where you're sailing. 
but you also and that you need the guy that's um I, I don't even I don't know shit about boats but you need the guy that's like neither do I this is so, like a... <laughs> uh this is like a this is like an old school boat you got you got guys rowing it like it's like you know yeah. those like old like pirate ships you get the guys that or like, like a viking sure yeah. yeah 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 exactly you so so the the guy that's commanding the viking people like you know moving the the oars or whatever down below he needs he can't come in and just be like, "Oh, I know this the super special way like I I'm I'm the best or director or whatever. Like I I know how it's done. We're going to or we're going to row the boat this way." And the freaking captain's up and like, "No, this isn't the way we're going." And and you know, you you can kind of I think you can you can really tell that like especially in um uh in in television or or film, like it's really clear when like a cohesive vision and communication hasn't been achieved. And, and I've noticed that like in, in some of um, some of the shows I I've watched recently, I, I can't, I don't want to like bash anything because you know, they're doing, they're doing their own work and I'm sitting here bullshitting on a podcast, but <laughs> you know, I've noticed like there are some shows that I've watched recently where it's like, damn, this is like, beautiful like the the dp you know clearly like had a a really strong vision but like there are aspects of it that just like aren't aren't syncing up you know like how many things have you you've seen where it's 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 beautiful to watch but just like the the story you know the visuals aren't a complement to the story and and in a certain point they can feel distracting and and the cohesive vision like isn't isn't there and so it, it's just it's just cool to like hear you talk about how that is something you strive for. And I think when you're having fun on set, that's sort of like an indication where you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is they always kind of like intermingle, right? Like having fun and like everyone kind of understanding the and being on board with the vision and the direction of a project. Whether that's film or whether that's building an app or building a piece of technology, it, it's like you know, we all have this kind of, we need to tap into like this, the collective creativity of the group. And we all need to kind of like agree upon, put our egos aside and do what we can to move towards that destination, whatever medium it may be. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you see that, you see that a lot more frequently in people who are like more experienced like like they're like purely just experience not even like i'm not even talking about like talent like because talent is like a it's just a different thing i feel like the people that are more experienced and have done those things can like can very easily get on board like if you're if you're like a first ac and you're pulling focus and that's like your job on set like you're there to assist the dp in their vision and the dp is there to assist the director and their vision like that is like the number one like if there's a job description that's the job description and so like anything beyond that you get those like those moments where it's like completely different things like even when like production design and lighting doesn't talk like it's it doesn't work like it just like there will be different kinds of lights there and and they're not built into the set and and stuff like that so it's like there's yeah there's 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 no way there's like yeah there's absolutely no way i i try to talk to as many people 
as, as many different crew members as I can before the shoot. Mm. And, and like, I tried to talk like to the DP or sorry, the director as much as I can before the shoot, as much of like their time as I can take. And as much as they're, cause I've like, I've worked with some directors that are down to like plan to some extent uh, and like on, from like, like where the actors are and, and, and what they're going to be doing, but like, like some like impromptu uh, situations. So like, as the DP, I need to understand that and be like, okay, like if you want to improvise a bit, then we'll like, A, we'll need to be quicker with our setups and B, like our setups are gonna have to be more versatile. Like we're gonna have to like rig lights into the scene. There are gonna have to be lights that are stationary and there are gonna have to be lights that we're gonna move and they need to be moved very quickly. So they need to be on rolling stands. And like, there's all those little things that trickle down so that so that I can make sure that the director has the time to uh, incorporate all the things that they want to incorporate and 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 do the story justice because it's like it's literally just like okay this is what you want let me just make sure the whole technical aspect like, builds on that you know like I can't spend like hours on lighting for like the perfect shot but they don't know they haven't rehearsed you know like. You sound like it's, a great guy to be on set with, man. It's, oh, dude. <laughs> I mean, you, I like, I'm not damn, on we, we got to work on something together. <laughs> dude, I no, I would love to. Yeah, no, we I would, to. I would love to. How, um, circling back a little bit now. So how, how does everything, how does your faith impact kind of what you, how you conduct yourself on set? Like, is there a separation there or, or do you think it's kind of like a holistic, um, representation of who you are like like what role does your faith and your your spiritual belief how does that help you be a great person to work with on set um i think it's i think it's very uh holistic it's not so i i can't say it's like all my faith that like uh adds to that but it's also just like working on other stuff at like not as the dp and seeing how things work like there are some like brilliant dps that i look up to here that i've like worked with and just seen the way that they handle problems and and the way that they incorporate so some of those things but yeah i mean like when the faith aspect that's just like that's like the bloodline through the entire like everything that i do like i'm not necessarily like thinking about it um and like I said, like, I'm not like the most practicing Muslim, but it's those like those core concepts that will like allow you to to tackle problems differently. And that's like all it is, right? It's all just like problems, everything. How you just, hand and how you handle them and how you react to them and how you what lens yeah. do you view those problems through? Exactly. Totally. And it's, it's just like how, yeah, like the like great people to be on set with are, are ones that uh, once there's a problem, you're like coming up with solutions. You're not like dwelling on it for more than a few minutes. You're trying to figure out how can we, how can we do this differently? How can we do this? Uh, like, how can we make this camera move easier for like talent and focus and all that stuff? And you're just, it's all just trying to be, trying to be better. How do you think that that sort of happens on a macro perspective outside of, outside of filmmaking? I think one of the things that I sort of have been contemplating lately is just how much of a focus we have on the problems just in 
the world in general. And I was thinking kind of about um, something you were talking about earlier about having a box, like having a box to work within to, I guess, solve quote unquote problems. And I mean, do you think we just have too big of a fucking box right now? Like, you know, I, I think it, it's so easy. You, you scroll through your, any social media feed, you know, if you're like me for like a small window of time. And it is so easy to look at everything going on in the world right now. And to just come to the conclusion that like, damn, this is hopeless. Like we are fucked and focusing just so much on the problems. Like, I mean, I guess like, how do you, how do you kind of, do you have hope for the future of humanity? And like, I, I mean, do, like how much social media stuff do you interact with? Like, or do you, like, do you focus on, like, do you focus on your own box, I guess? Like, how do you kind of, how do you work within the sort of, uh, I guess, the bigger box of, like, all the shit that's going on in the world? Like, or, or are you kind of just focused on on you? Like, do you interact with the kind of greater collective of, of issues? Or, yeah, like, is it more kind of centrally focused for you? Um, I try to, but I, but I also, like, I think that, People just don't have the capacity to, to, uh, like, to emotionally care about every single thing. Like you, you do, but like, there's like, there's like a level of care of like, okay, being like a good human being and being like that is wrong. But then I think there's like another level of, like, like, can you do something about it? And if you do something about it, how much of your time is that going to take to to do something about it? Because I mean, we're we're I think we're very much in like a very similar boat, working at news organizations that focus uh, like a lot of the times on like uh, social justice and and a lot of those things. So we see so much, like we see a lot of a lot of different things, and uh, yeah, man, work. I mean, work work like AJ Plus on itself. That is like that's a lot to 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 handle. It's a lot to see. Because I mean, when you're editing these things and when you're shooting these things, like you get very intimate with like a very specific problem. Mm. Um, I like I I don't know. It's like something I'm still trying to figure out. It's like like what can I do for like a, like a lot of these different causes? Like I feel very connected to the Black Lives Matter movement because it's a it's a very like in its root, it's an ex, it's an extremely similar movement to like the Palestinian uh one where you know there's and there's the oppressed and there's the oppressor and usually that's like the case with a lot of different uh movements and causes but like what what can i do for the like because i'm palestinian what can i do for for the palestinian people and what can i do for the black lives matter movement and what can i do for all of the other different movements i'm just like i'm not really sure but what i am sure about is that right now I'm working towards uh, being a master in the craft. And, and when I get to the point, I don't know if I'll ever get to the point that I'm a master in it, but I will have moments where like my voice will be heard through the work at a much larger scale. Mm. So if I one day shoot like a Hollywood feature, which I'm not sure that I would want to, but if that happens, then it would be, it would have the, my morals and the way that I feel and the way that I care about things injected into that. So like 
I definitely like keep up with a lot of different causes and just try to take in and understand them. Um, but in terms of like actually doing something for them, I think it's really hard for people to do that for a lot of different things. Cause there is like, there is that like, Oh, you care about this, but you don't care about this. Yes. Yes, you know, absolutely. Like, how could you possibly care about that without caring about that? Like, how could you possibly post that, but you won't share this? Exactly. Like, what's wrong with you? Right. And it's like, dude, what is this performative? Like, like, what is going on? I'm so confused about like the social media, social injustice scene of, of it's like, you didn't post about Black Lives Matter. Like, are you racist? Like, what right. is wrong with you? Yeah, and there was like, the... um you know the when everyone changed their their instagram thing to just the the black square or whatever mm -hmm. you know that was um I, I always think those kind of moments are interesting just because of exactly what you're talking about it's like i i feel a certain pressure to be like i mean okay like everyone in my circle is doing this like if i don't like am i gonna be looked at um in, in some kind of way you know i mean meanwhile like you know, I've been w with a black woman for six years of my life. You know, I, I have seen firsthand the the injustices that you know her family has experienced as as a result of that. Her her mother, you know, um, her mother went to segregated schools. You know, like it, this shit's it, it's so it's so raw. But at the same time, it's like. You know, I'm not, I'm not, just because I'm not like gonna, because I didn't change my Instagram, you know, thing to the, the black square, like, I don't like the idea that that means that I'm perceived potentially as someone who's like not an ally in that, you know? And, mm. I, and I think that there is this sort of, um, there does seem to be a movement in social media circles of like trying to tear down people who we don't feel like you know are like allies and it's like you there's just like a checklist of like all these different things that like you have to be you know an activist in this and 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 it's you go down the line and it's like if i'm an activist in in all of these things that's like when the fuck am i gonna have time to eat you yeah. know like it's it's um I, and i've been i've been exploring this idea that I, I've heard in a couple places now, but like s sort of self um, self help as like an act of, of social justice, which I thought was, I, I thought was pretty interesting. I, I heard it from um, Sharon Salzberg, who I, I mentioned earlier, but she's like a Western Buddhist teacher, but she brought it up in a podcast that I was listening to. And I was kind of like, huh, that's a really interesting notion. But this idea that like there, you cannot physically impact all of these these issues in the world and you're certainly not going to impact them by sending a tweet or you know changing your profile and like dude i wish uh, yeah what jesus christ wouldn't thing. that be easy man yeah <laughs> stop racism yeah and right thing just stops <laughs> i changed my twitter thing you know like we did it y'all like <laughs> good job no, there's a lot more fucking real work that needs to be done. And I think that, you know, that's part of part of the problem is that we do just get the we get caught in these positive feedback loops of um, telling ourselves that we are 
solving we're working to solve these things by by doing dumb shit on social media and it's like no dude like there there's a lot more stuff that's that can be done but to really do that real work that needs to be done it's like there is this sort of aspect of like you got to keep your own kind of garden in check first and it's like i think there are so many people that are kind of and I feel bad for them, but like, you know, there are folks that just kind of take that social justice kind of thing that like that becomes their identity and they just become this person that like shouts into the void of, of social media. And I'm not, I'm not sure how much of an impact that's actually having. Maybe, maybe it is, but I wonder if that person were to maybe take a step back and step out of the reality where everything is falling apart, everything is bad, you can't trust anyone, you know, this, this, and this, and maybe took a little more of a look internally and see kind of where they actually feel like they they do fit and what are some actual, you know, substantive things that I could be doing to improve the world, then maybe we could actually, you know, start some sort of collective change. But I mean, right now, it just feels like everyone is so pissed off, so scared that it, it's it's hard to really even know where to begin. The box is way too big right it's, now yeah, for a lot of people. Super large. One, one thing that I think about a lot is like exactly what you're talking about, uh, like implicit bias. Mm. So like understanding your own implicit bias, I feel like it's just a very important way to to, to make some sort of, if you're not doing anything else, that's like probably the least you can do. So like you walk into an elevator, a black man walks into an elevator. Like, do you tighten up? Like, do you go to the corner? Like what, what would happen if someone else walked into, you know, like all those like little things, um, that, or, or like you're walking at night and I mean, it's different for, for, uh, for females, but you're walking at night and you see someone, uh, a person of color, like, what do you do? You know, right. like things like that of like, okay, if you're, but I do feel like there's a balance um, of like the social media, social justice things. Like it's important to like, I feel like see it every now and then, but you're right. Totally. There's, there's a huge, the box is massive and it, and it's, it's like, we can't expect everyone to, to hit every point and, and you can't expect someone like, I can't expect you to be like the biggest activist I know because like you're living a life you know like like how could how could you possibly I don't know that's that's stuff like I'm 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 like that part of social media I'm kind of confused about well and but but I'll say though the the thing that I've what's really changed my perception of the world like has it's never come really from it's I'll tell you what I've never noticed a positive impact on my life from reading a fucking tweet like i've never really like i've never been scrolling through twitter and and had an experience on twitter that has like drastically shaped my perception of the world for the better but what has has been these actual real life interactions that i'm i'm having with people um you you invited me to an iftar uh a couple i think that was a Jesus, how long ago was that? Was like two years? It was years probably ago? like three or four years ago. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me sick how long ago that was. But like that was, you know, I'm a, I'm a white dude from New Hampshire. Like I, I had, I had never been to one, obviously. 
And that was like such a, um, that was such a cool experience for me because it sort of, it demystified a lot of like Islam for me, you know, because it, it was like, you know, I mean, I have, I, I allowed media to shape so much of my perception of this entire faith that billions of people practice. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized like, I have like zero practical experience with this, but I have like these preconceived notions that I've allowed to, you know, integrate into my perception of reality. And you, um, because you're such a, like, just an awesome dude, like you invited me to a moment that, that, that shattered that and, and really kind of brought me into a space of, of just, it was, it was like an epiphany for me. And that was kind of like, one of the first times that I realized like, oh man, like we, faith is like really important and it's really cool. And I think like we need to stop being so stuck in our camps and like afraid of, of, of what, you know, going down these paths, you know, can bring. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but like, it just, it made me realize like, oh man, there are, uh, like this can be something that is uh like you can be this sounds so uh, forgive me for saying this but it was like you can be just like a normal dude and still be like practicing islam you know what i mean like i think for whatever reason the the thing i the, the image i had in my head made me think that it was like you know you had like it's this very specific like person and it, it it's so like that that if you were a that if you practice islam that it was such a part of your identity that like i could never even like relate to that but here it was here i was like at an iftar and i was like this is just a fucking party like this is it's like literally yeah it it's was just, massive too <laughs> it was huge it was great and like the the prayer part of it was like so beautiful like it just it was just a celebration like it just all it was was a celebration of of humanity and i and i felt just like just so humbled to be able to have that experience and i just i wish that i could have shared that with everyone that i know in new hampshire and you know like i think we need to sort of we need to just have more experiences like that. You know, it, it, it just, thank you, I guess <laughs> for, Dude, for, thanks, yeah, thanks for coming. I'm so glad that you came and, and, uh, Tim and a few other people, yeah, came a bunch, too, a bunch of our friends came. It, it was, it was yeah. fantastic. It was cool. It's, it's definitely, so that's something that I think about a lot of like, like, uh, me being Muslim and, and learning other people's, uh, faiths and, and being a part of other people's, uh i guess like their culture and and like their identity and seeing that i've never been to like uh like mass at like a church or something like that but like i've heard about it through friends and like i've been in churches and, and synagogues and stuff um like with interfaith things but it's like like going to like someone's like bar mitzvah or mm. going to someone's like like that would be awesome like to be able to like understand that and see that because like i filmed the jewish wedding recently and it was 
lit. Like it really? was, it was, they partied yeah. hard. Like the dancing was nuts, man. Like everyone had <laughs> was just poor and sweat. Like, cause yeah. it, it was like such a cool vibe. It, it was like the energy was just like electric. Like it really yeah. felt like transcendent almost, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's the thing. It's like, like at the root of it, kind of like what you were saying, like everyone is, is very similar. Like everyone just wants to like, live a good life, have a good time and just like be a good person. Or I think most people, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's cool. Like I used to put like a big emphasis on like who my friends were like growing up my entire life. Like a lot of my friends are Muslim. Um, well in high school, that was a different story. Cause I like kept getting bullied. So I didn't really have friends, but in <laughs> oh. college it's fine <laughs> and call it it's not but it's all right <laughs> you made it um, we all made yeah, it. yeah <laughs> we're here now um <laughs> uh, it's a challenging like, experience really... that shaped you yeah <laughs> yeah like you you get to choose like who your friends are and stuff and and undergrad and like all those things and like i've always like put an emphasis on like oh i should have muslim friends because i will like be able to like relate to other people and and all those things because like mm. at the end of the day like being like a person of color in america although like america seems like super diverse and stuff it's very difficult to like to interact with like if i if i walk into a room it's just all white people like it's really hard for me to be myself like it's very very difficult and it's something that like i'm trying to uh like understand but like it's there's uh like it's it's not on it's not any one person's i think at fault i think it's just generally like the way that uh people work like i mean aj plus is like the most diverse office i've ever worked at that's awesome like it's it's dude it's brilliant that's like great. it's there are people from all over like you hear people speaking different languages like as they're walking past you and it's like you have so many like really brilliant viewpoints whereas like in past jobs like it's been mostly white people and it's hard for for me to talk about like very uh emotional experiences that i've had and for them to talk about emotional experiences that they had like it's i mean you need those things to build uh like a friendship mm. or, or a relationship like those are the nuances that need to be included in conversation that you need like, a common like, shared experience yeah absolutely yeah of sorts and so it's it's always been uh difficult for me uh like to be in like a completely white space um but that's also like it also has a hand in like imposter syndrome and everything that comes with that and like white like in in the colonial mindset of like white is normal and and this is what is defined as normal and like i'm not normal so like what am I abnormal? Like I didn't like, you know, like I, I didn't grow up doing this. I didn't go to film school. Like I was trying to go to med school. Like, am I not good enough? Like, and, and the thing is like, you'll work with people that are so confident, like unbelievably confident, but then like the end product is like, what, <laughs> like what's going on here? Like, how could you possibly be this confident? There's no way. So I've, I've just been, I've been in so many of those situations and i'm just like also trying to figure out how to create uh like a really big thing that i'm focusing on is like like creating an environment on set mm. that is inclusive that people don't feel uh 
like they don't belong or that they can't like talk about things um like uh bradford young so so the guy who shot a rival he still lives in baltimore like he didn't move to la and and it's very intentional that he didn't move to la because had he moved to la um all of the his micro economy that he essentially created all of the people he hires like he's leaving everyone and everything behind for for your typical la film crew right and so he's he's made it like a big priority to uh stay local and hire local people and and build that that sense of like uh inclusiveness and so that's i mean that's just like something that like overall i'm like okay that's what i want my sets to look like like i i like like they they should be inclusive no one should be like no one should feel left out um and even like if it's like a a pa or you know someone that's like very new to set it's like like you've all seen like and we've all been there when you're like you look at a c stand for the first time and you're like what do i even do with this thing like someone's like hey can you can you set that c stand up and you just look at it and you're like what is this like weird concoction don't of, like, loosen any metal? part of it if your finger is near the fucking knuckle because it will pinch yeah. you and it will suck <laughs> yeah and like there are so many so many parts of the c stand that you're just like like it's not intuitive at first and so like when you see someone that's like looking at it in a weird way then you're like, hey, like, do you like, have you set one up for, before? Do you need help? And that also goes to like, like I'm on my end too. It's like, you, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're learning something, you try, you want to uh, show everyone that you know what you're doing, right? Like you want to, you want to be confident because then maybe like your crew won't be confident in you. But it's like, as of like recent, I'm just like, when I don't know something, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Like, how do you set that up? Like what, like how, how should we do this? Cause that's like, I mean, that's like even another thing of like saying this, I mean, there's so many aspects that rely on someone knowing how to do something right. Like safety, like you can kill someone on set if you just act like you know what you're doing, you know? Um, so yeah, I know we're far from the question. Dude, man, we could, uh, I could talk to you for another like two hours, dude. Uh, but I have to let Shannon out of the, out of the bedroom. She's been very polite, and that's, <laughs> but no, man, Ahmed, I'm dude. I am like, I am, I'm so thrilled that you are a force out there for like the collective human experience dude, that likewise. we're all right now. Like I, it's just. It's so cool to hear about your work and and everything that you're doing. Um, where can people find some of it? Give give, give us some give us the links. Um, so uh, most of it's on my website. It's ahmedasad.com. Um, it's uh, uh, should I spell it? I guess yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> it's a h m a d a s a a d dot com. And, and I'll, I'll include a link in the description to this show as well. Cool. Uh, and then like most of like. Honestly, like most of like the updated stuff is on Instagram and that's like Ahmed Asad 04. That's like, that's my handle. But uh, yeah, I don't post too frequently. Only, only in the good, uh, the nice moments. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. Dude, thank you so much for doing the show, man. I can't Dude, wait till we get to me. hang in person. This is a ton of fun. 
Yeah, let's shoot something. Let's do it. We're gonna, no, we um, really, we really do. Like, seriously, need to work on something together because I. Yeah, even like, even like a short, yeah. uh, documentary or narrative. Like, I'm down. All right. Either. All right, I gotta write it and pitch it and do all that shit, but we'll we'll get it done. <laughs> nice. Sounds good. All right, thanks again, man. Appreciate you. Right. Thanks for Take tuning care, in, man. everyone, and uh, we will catch you next time. Peace.